Chart Chat is a member of the Tej.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tej.fm. That's T-E-E-J.fm. It's Monday, May 21st, 2018. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And you are listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. Caitlin, this is weird. It is weird. We are no longer together in Charlottesville. This is the first episode of a new era of Chart Chat. Uh, Caitlin has moved to Maryland, and I'm stuck here in Charlottesville, so we are recording this remotely. Mm. And we're loving it. <laughs> That's one way to put it. It'll be a learning experience. Uh, we appreciate your patience, but we think it'll we think it'll work out. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, U.S. chart entries for this week not a ton, but here's what we got: debuting at number ninety-eight, there's Young Boy Never Broke Again with Preach. Debuting at number ninety-seven, there's Brett Young with his song Mercy. Gucci Flip Flops by Bad Baby featuring Lil Yachty debuts at number eighty. Debuting at number 74, there's Charlie Puth featuring Kehlani with Done For Me, a uh, past pick of the week, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think it was, I looked that up because it was familiar, and I think it was three weeks ago, which is crazy on the UK side. So. Yep. And it's actually interesting because that parallels uh, the trajectory of attention as well. It broke in the UK first, majorly, and it took a while for it to catch up here in the States. Wow. Um, English people are Charlie Puth Which is its own fans, interesting... <laughs> They're ahead of the game sometimes. Uh, we've got Sean Mendez featuring Khalid, debuting at number 65 with their song Youth. Debuting at number 58, there's Luke Combs with Beautiful Crazy. Travis Scott featuring Lil Uzi Vert and Kanye West debut at number 16 with Watch. And debuting at number one, one of the few songs in existence to do so, we have Childish Gambino with This Is America. This Is America. How about the UK? What do you got? On the UK side, we have at number 97, Celine Dion's Ashes. Yeah, we do. (laughs) It's a a really good song. Why why does she have such a good song for Deadpool 2? I don't care about Deadpool, but Celine? Oh, Oh, yeah. Go hide with Carl Wilson in a corner and talk about Celine Dion. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be there. At number 93, we have a past favorite. That's Nicky Jam and Jay Balvin's X. Tanner's doing his nasty face. At number 91, we have Marshmallow and Juicy J featuring James Arthur with the song You Can Cry. At number 85, we have Belly Squad featuring Hetty One with Missing. At number 79, we have Billie Eilish and Khalid with their song Lovely. At number 72, we have the collective LSD that is made up of Labyrinth, Sia, and Diplo with their song Genius. At number 69, we have GRM Daily's supported collaboration between Scraps, Avellino, Asco, Loski, who sang Forrest Gump that we talked about a little while ago, and AJ Tracy. And that song is called London's Calling. That's a little bit of a a lot of artist cred there, so thanks for bearing with me. We jump to number 53, 
Travis Scott featuring Lil Uzi Vert and Kanye West with Watch. We move to number 41. That's Florence and the Machine with her song Hunger. Number 35, we have Shawn Mendes featuring Khalid with Youth. At 16, Jess Glynn, I'll Be There. And cracking on the charts at number 14, Childish Gambino's This Is America. Not as high as the U.S., but top 20, not bad. And that's actually the only song that I'm going to talk about here on my side of things. Um, the other song I was going to talk about is the Brett Young, uh, Mercy. It's a really nice country ballad. Um, but between this song debuting at number one and between the massive amounts of sort of pop culture conversation that's been going on, it feels justified to spend the extra time with This Is America. Uh, for those of our listeners who don't know who Childish Gambino is, you might know him uh, better by his actual name, Donald Glover. Uh, you might know him from Community. You might know him as the creator of the acclaimed TV series Atlanta. Um, he's going to be Lando Calrissian in that upcoming Star Wars spinoff movie, A Young Lando. Um, but that's not pertinent. What is pertinent? is that the song debuted at number one, which is Glover's first top 10 song, and of course his first number one. Uh, the song came out in tandem with Glover hosting a recent episode of Saturday Night Live. And like I mentioned, the song, and especially its music video, in the wake of its release, triggered the amount of discussion you might expect for a song that debuted at number one. Um, similar sort of disclaimer to why I didn't wind up talking about the Kanye track from last week. I don't feel like I'm a great person to talk about this song, but, um, I think the song's popularity and importance, um, is undeniable. And so I'm going to do my best on that front. And I will help out as best I can. Perfect. So with that being said, <laughs> I intentionally listened to the song without the video first. Uh, so let's go in uh, blind as it were and listen to a clip. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't got you slipping up. Look how I'm living up. Police be tripping up. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. I got the strap. I gotta carry them. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go into this. Yeah, yeah, this is Gorilla. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go get the bag. Yeah, yeah, or I'ma get the pad. Yeah, yeah, I'm so cold like, yeah. I'm so dull like, yeah. We gon' blow like, yeah. Okay, so listening to this divorce from the video, uh, my first impression was, it's okay. Um, you know, it didn't really blow me away in any sort of a grand way, but there's some cool stylistic juxtapositions. Mm -hmm. You know, it starts off with the acoustic guitar and some very uh, celebratory vocals, and then suddenly in the blink of an eye, you've got this uh, more dour trap beat and uh, Glover's rapping that's 
it, it reminded me a little bit of 21 Savage in terms of being very flat in terms of the emotion that's being projected. Um, interesting to note, 21 Savage is actually one of the people who has an uncredited ad lib in the background of the song. Um, but then, of course, right at the end of the first verse, you have this sudden cut back to this jubilant chorus of singers, and then you're suddenly back again. Um, mm -hmm. But I think this is one of those songs that it's basically mandatory that you listen to this while watching the video, um, which on a slightly selfish front kind of exposes the limits of our podcast because we cannot yeah. gesture to it and show you like we could if this was a video uh, product. But uh, in past weeks, we've talked about the matter of streaming being calculated in Billboard chart tabulations. And I think the number one debut of this song is a perfect example of why it is a good thing that streaming does count. Yeah. Um, this song's number one debut is on the strength of its streaming and its digital sales. It's at the top of each of those charts, those aggregate uh, streaming and uh, digital sales charts. Radio Airplay is much lower. And if chart position was calculated only with digital sales and radio numbers like it used to be, I don't think that this song would have dethroned someone as massively successful as Drake, hmm. who was previously in the number one spot. Um, so, streaming, a good thing. We're going to dive into the specifics of the video here. Again, I'm going to do my best to kind of concisely uh, describe it, since I can't show it to you. Um, but I also want to draw in on some analyses from the broader critical press that... Um, do a really good job of kind of cutting to the heart of what Glover is doing in this video. Um, and with my synopsis here, I'm going to basically start and end at the time roughly that corresponds to the audio clip that we heard. So the video opens uh, more or less with Glover dancing in a variety of exaggerated ways um, while there's a man who's playing an acoustic guitar. Uh, there's a brief period of time where the guitarist is out of the shot. It's just Glover dancing. Uh, distorting his face sometimes, doing doing various moves that uh, people have commented on. And once Glover continues to approach the camera and the camera pulls back uh, and the guitarist is back in the shot, the guitarist suddenly has a sack tied over his head. Uh, Glover then takes a gun from someone off screen, exhumes this exaggerated pose that people have identified as a uh, allusion to the racist minstrel character from the 19th century, Jim Crow, uh, and shoots the guitarist in the back of the head just as the music switches styles. Um, so after you have that stylistic switch, the harsh switch from acoustic guitar to a trap beat, you have someone who enters in, this, this child who enters with a red cloth. Glover delicately places the cloth, or places the gun on the cloth while in the background, the body of the guitarist is briskly just sort of dragged off screen. Uh, Glover is followed by the camera as he continues to move through the warehouse that he's in. There's a group of school children that come in and, and dance and they're all smiling and, and doing their thing while in the background you have people running back and forth, cars being broken, general scenes of chaos. At one point later on, there's a, a masked person riding by on a white horse or a black horse, I forget the color of the horse, but people have... <laughs> speculated whether that's a uh, like a reference to the book of revelations from the bible or something like that like mm. the amount of symbolism going on in the background is is dense and hard to pick up on a first viewing mm. um 
But then suddenly the camera cuts to a gospel choir. Once we hit that second chorus that we heard, um, you have, I believe it's 10 or 12 singers, uh, a bit of a shot of them singing. Glover emerges from a side door, dances for a little bit, stops. Someone off camera tosses him an automatic rifle um, and in a apparent reference to Dylan Roof's 2015 attack on a black church in South Carolina, uh, Glover kills the choir in a split second. Um, and then once again, the music changes as he is doing that timed to the gunshots. And that's roughly where the clip ends. Um, Glover continues to go on. Um, the coda is especially unsettling, references recent uh, Jordan Peele horror movie Get Out. Um, mm. But I have to curtail there for issues of time. But in terms of what all this means, uh, again, if you're listening and are curious, uh, definitely recommend watching the video because it's hard to put the amount of things going on into words. So on one hand, people have identified that there's a very visible critique of uh, the role entertainment plays in distracting us from uh, sort of more existential issues of violence and poverty. Um, again, with that foreground background dissonance, mm -hmm. you have the dancing going on in the foreground to distract you from what's uh, arguably much more important in the background. But at the same time, like a lot of great art, the meaning of this video also kind of evades any sort of set in stone pat definition. Okay, so I mentioned that I wanted to draw in some of the analyses other people have written. One of them in the New Yorker, Doreen St. Felix notes, quote, the video has already been rapturously described as a powerful rally cry against gun violence, a powerful portrait of black American existentialism, a powerful indictment of a culture that circulates videos of black children dying as easily as it does videos of black children dancing in parking lots. It is those things, but it is also a fundamentally ambiguous document. The truth is that this video and what it suggests about the artist is very difficult. A lot of black people hate it. Glover forces us to relive public traumas and barely gives us a second to breathe before he forces us to dance. There is an inescapable disdain sewn into the fabric of This Is America. The very fact that the dance scenes are already being chopped into fun little gifs online, divorcing them from the video's brutality, only serves to prove his point. Hmm. So elsewhere, you've had other analyses that are a little more pointedly critical okay. uh, than this particular writer. Um, some people have questioned the visual use of violence against black people in the media landscape that's already sort of saturated with all sorts of uh, pictures and videos. Um, and an example of that sort of more pointed critique um, in Vanity Fair, Kay Austin Collins argues, quote, I'm wary of any claim that we are distracted from black violence. Because who's we, really? Every other day of the week, America's complaint is that the blacks doth protest too much. Is this not a sign that black anger and awareness are widespread and persistent, that blacks are not distracted, that we are, in fact, too keyed in for America's comfort? This is America is predicated on a misdiagnosis. America, writ large, has not been unconsciously deterred from paying attention to the spectacle of racial injustice. It knows it's there, it just doesn't care to do anything about it. It's equal parts intriguing and tedious that Glover should feel the need to diagnose us, however. This is America openly appeals to an America that loves to be told about itself, which is a strategy in itself. I am overjoyed, truly, for every white person on Twitter who gets it. They ought to. The video is tilted towards a liberal pop culture intelligentsia so in love with getting spanked by black truth tellers that even an artist such as Glover is answering the call to put us all in our place. End quote. 
Wow. And that, of course, that's only scratching the surface. Um, there's a lot to sift through. And again, like I mentioned, the amount of detail in the video, I think, plays a really, really big role in the variety of responses to this. Um, again, it's not the sort of thing that can very easily be boiled down to in giant block letters. This is the meaning. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any you have any thoughts? Yeah, I have two offerings. And I don't know if I'm going to fall into this uh, this trap that both of those writers kind of seem to lay bare for us to, I guess, work out whether we buy into this kind of characterization maybe of like how white people view black art. I think it's very tricky ground to navigate. And I think you did a good job of pulling those two sources and kind of getting at that a little bit. But this made me think of the royal wedding that I watched this morning because we are recording on Saturday. Um, and there was a ton of stuff that the royal family had to kind of budge on for the first time ever in this ceremony. They had um, uh, the black episcopal like head of the episcopal church come in and give a speech right after the head of the church of england like gave a speech and it was everything was juxtaposed by, by like white black white black they did um if you love me this really beautiful like choral arrangement that's been around since forever and then they had a gospel choir come in and sing stand by me so it was just so apparent that it it was almost like it was a tension in the ceremony. And for those of us less familiar with the goings-on of the royal family, that is something that has not been present at past royal weddings, it sounds like? Yes, exactly, because Meghan Markle, who is marrying Prince Harry, or has married today, uh, is half black. And she wanted her culture represented and what she wanted to put her mark on the wedding, understandably. And uh, so that was kind of my one thing of really interesting kind of. And obviously it's not as brutal. <laughs> the example I just gave isn't as brutal at all of like what this wedding was. But it just sparked my, oh, like this is crazy because you're just going from one sound to another sound. And it's like what you would think of genre wise as like white music black music and that's not necessarily what childish gambino or glover is trying to do but yeah it's 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 an interesting parallel and a kind of timely one i think yeah it's stylistic juxtaposition in your in your instance as a sort of representation of personal identity Mm. and here it feels more in in the case of the uh Childish Gambino song, it's more stylistic juxtaposition as means of political critique. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And the o- the only other thing this made me think of was Beyonce's recent Coachella performance where she had like hundreds of backup dancers. And there's a great New York Times podcast of John Caramonica describing what it was like to be there and watch and try and like watch Beyonce while all of this stuff is going on behind her that's full of just stylistic symbolism and it was he said it was overwhelming and you didn't really know where to look and people who were watching it via the live stream 
were super confused because even the camera guys didn't really know like <laughs> what to film because there was so much going on. So I yeah. think that's another, and obviously Beyonce's uh, similarly critical of the political climate, I think, in the country. And it's an interesting way to represent that. And it's all about the tension, I think, the foreground, background. Nice job, Tanner. That was interesting. You wanna you wanna give us some uh, some UK samplings of what you've got? I will give you what I got. Um, it's a little bit lighter than what we just went through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna start us off with LSD and their song "Genius." So LSD, as I said, is what I think Wikipedia is calling a super group, which I've never heard before. Um, and it's comprised of Labyrinth. And he is an English musician, Sia, who we've talked about before, and she is an Australian singer, and then Diplo. So he's an American DJ, producer, and they have formed what is called LSD, just the first letter of their stage names. Woo! Let's break that down a little bit, because I don't think we've talked at all about Labyrinth and very minimally about Diplo, if at all. So Labyrinth, we'll start with him. He was the one who actually came up with the idea for the group. His real name is Timothy Lee McKenzie. He's a singer-songwriter. He also raps a little bit. And he was originally slotted to produce records, not to be featured on them, which is kind of interesting. So Simon Cowell picked him up for the label Psycho Music. And he was just signed as a solo act, which happened to be some weird stat. It was like Cowell's first non-talent show, like American Idol or The X Factor performer on his label for something like six or seven years, which is crazy. And he has this weird kind of voice. I don't know how to describe it. It has kind of a Sam Smith side mixed with Pharrell, Bruno Marsy type of vibe. And I picked out a song called Jealous that I think shows that. So I'm going to play a clip of that. And I told you when you left me, there's nothing to forgive. But I always thought you'd come back. Tell me all you found was heartbreak and misery. It's hard for me to say I'm jealous of the way You're happy without me I'm jealous of the nights That I don't spend with you I'm wondering who you lay next to Oh, I'm jealous of the night. So I was jealous by Labyrinth. It's really haunting and beautiful, and that's why I think I kind of went with Sam Smith. But then in that upper register, it's not as smooth as Sam Smith. So I was like, man, Pharrell kind of has that little gravelly type of voice when he gets up there to reach those notes. But anyway, I wanted to give you an example, and I'll play another one in a little bit because he has a spunkier side which is kind of cool and not what I expected when I heard the slower kind of ballad-like songs. His accent doesn't really come through 
very much. He does have an English accent, and he just doesn't perform it like grime artists do, and that's what I'm used to hearing just out of personal preference. So when I listen to it, I'm like, I'm not getting like that English kind of vibe. But this one, uh, called Earthquake, is a little sample of the spunkier side. So I also wanted to give you guys a taste of that. Here we go. Gentlemen, what you're about to witness is no illusion. And now we got the bass banging from head to Buckingham Palace. They're all moving. Hey, Simon, working them up, turning them cycles. Everybody rock, let's bring the house down to rubble and I love Labyrinth. And you can probably tell because I played two clips. I think he has this really cool toe in all of these different genres and this recent collaboration I think pulls that in even more and I'm gonna jump to Sia really quick we talked about her in the context of old people making inspirational pop with David Guetta <laughs> with their song Flames a couple weeks ago which I apologize for but a lot of people came up to me who listened that said that is really apt like that's what it sounds like and I'm not opposed to it but eh, you know but anyway she's one of Australia's most famous musicians ever so that's all I have to say about her woo so moving on to Diplo like I said he's an American DJ and producer and he just always seems like he's up for a collaboration. He is currently the driving force behind Major Laser with two DJs, and their names are Jillionaire and Walshy Fire. They had that great hit lead on a couple years ago. Still in the club to this day. Very successful song. He's also a part of Jack U with Skrillex. They've come out with a couple bangers as well. He's worked and produced for pretty much everyone at this point. Gwen Stefani, M.I.A., Britney Spears, Madonna, Shakira, Beyonce, like any, pretty much anyone. You get the idea. So even though Diplo is always up for these collaborations, he didn't come up with the idea. So Labyrinth came up with this band collaboration, whatever we want to call it, idea. And the song that we're about to hear is their first ever single, and that's called Genius, again, because I've talked for a long time. It was released on May 3rd, 2018, and their second song came out a week later. That's called Audio. It's in our playlist because I love it, and it sounds a lot more like Sia's Cheap Thrills, so if you like that song like me, you will probably like Audio, although I, I like Genius, but th that's what we're about to hear. So. Oh my god, baby, baby, don't you see? I got everything you need. Oh, only a genius could love a woman like you. Oh my god, baby, baby, don't you see? I got everything you need. 
Garcia. So that clip encompassed all of our voices, so all of LSD. We don't often hear Diplo's voice, I don't think at least, in a lot of the music he makes and produces, but at the end of the clip, that was him saying, See ya! So <laughs> it was really deep and I can't do it. I think it's funny. So a few things here, I honestly can say I have more questions than answers, and for that I am sorry, dear listeners. I don't un- really understand what the song is about, It's very flip-floppy, and I feel like there's maybe two different stories going on here with Labyrinth and Sia singing. So in the second verse, Sia sings, Oh, you'll be my Einstein, my Newton, my Galileo, and my Hawking. Boy, put that pep in my step. Put your arm on my neck while I'm walking. Please understand. Yeah, I have fallen for you. Eek. What? Like... So the guy is smart, and Sia likes him, but he might not like Sia. I have no idea. I honestly, like, Genius Lyrics gave had nothing. Like, people do not want to touch this song right now. And I encourage people to just put up suggestions, because I really, I need something. I need something. Moving on. The Whistling. You can hear it. It's almost exactly as high in the mix as them singing G, 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 genius, that. And there's just this whistling, like, it's like air whistling. (laughs) Like, it's so airy. It was really strange. Um, There's a lot going on. Another line that stuck out to me, only a genius could love a woman like me. (laughs) Like, what does that mean? (laughs) Like, do you have to be a genius to love Somewhat, what is your self-esteem like? Do you have low self? I have otherwise no you idea. can't keep up with her. Yeah, P- probably. And I would be, you know what? You're right because Sia is very much like she puts out these songs that are, I don't know. You have like chandelier on one side that's kind of you know has tons of different meanings. You could read it a lot of different ways. I don't know if you can if this one has that much opportunity to read it, like. Especially if you can't find one opportunity to read it, let alone multiple. Yeah. Uh. Okay. So my last point on this song, <laughs> I'm I'm very confused by. I like it a lot, and there's a lot going on, like I said. And your attention just, at least mine, shifted so often in the song. Of like, ooh, that's a really cool sound. Ooh, this one's really cool. Well, what really stuck in my soul was the syncopated percussion in this which at I guess the most kind of poignant moments consisted of a descending kind of chromatic vocal line over top of it and then these block piano chords and a really shaky sounding kick drum that reminded me so much of Britney Spears and kind of hit me baby one more time type of thing and it's way more pronounced in that I think Britney Spears uses it more as uh or maybe a bigger foundation for her music than Genius uses but it was just very subtle and it was there and it just sounded so good this little like piano chord like dun dun and oh it just it kind of gave me the shivers when I remembered Britney Spears did that I really look forward to what 
comes out of this collaboration. It's a this one's a bit confusing, but yeah, I haven't heard audio. I still need to listen to that one. But this one, I feel like you, you keep mentioning that there's a lot going on, and at least for me, I might say that there's too much going on, mm. or at least they don't do a good job of separating out the amount of things that are going on. So it winds up feeling just kind of all really loud and mushy. Yeah. Um, which I think is especially an issue because Sia is a singer whose voice is very bright and very brassy. And I think part of what makes, you know, you mentioned Chandelier or Elastic Heart. And I think part of what makes her voice not become overwhelming in those songs is A, the accompaniment not being full throttle at all times and B, the... I guess for lack of a better term, pathos of the lyrics. Mm. Like there's a sense of tragedy there that sort of undercuts the full onslaught that I tend to get from the song. And also that whistling you mentioned is really annoying. Yeah. So <laughs> It's true. Meh. I mean, it reminded me if I, I always think of like use for songs. If Have you ever watched Jimmy Neutron, Tanner? Of course. Okay. If Jimmy Neutron were to come out with like a full length feature film, this would be the lead single on that soundtrack uh, you're right but i hate it <laughs> why thank you i'll take us to um a little bit of a different place we're gonna also talk about london's calling and that is our weirdly credited don't really know what's going on featuring scraps Evelino, asco Loski, and aj tracy so Obviously, those are five of the really big new guys on the scene right now. I don't think GRM Daily is an artist collab. Like, I don't think these are artists that work together under, you know, like LSD is Sia, Labyrinth, Diplo. These guys... It's like a production company, right? Yes. Yes, they are. So it seems like they're just a popular media platform on which rappers, songs interviews etc are posted it's kind of like a news source and it kind of reminded me while I was doing my digging of what it's like to visit billboard or UK official chart websites because it doesn't necessarily have the chart entries but it has all of those kind of little write-ups and articles and taglines and headlines and blah 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 what have you seems like it's just a support system for all of these artists kind of similar to that 88 rising that i mentioned a while back um with the uh group of asian hip-hop artists when we were talking about famous decks uh the people signed there like rich brian like the higher brothers it seems sort of similar to that and sort of like promo company slash music videos slash like promo slash a bunch of other things yeah interesting and yeah, that's a good that's good to bring up because I think it is similar to that. And I will be honest, I'm really not sure how it looks or who kind of who makes money and who gives money is my I think biggest question about this collaboration because it seems like GRM Daily threw money at this collab between these young artists because they've been getting a lot of airtime lately. And, you know, putting them all on one song makes sense because then you will have streaming power, right? If somebody really likes AJ Tracy and Lowski and they see those names on a single with three other guys, woo, and then you get those other three guys' names out there, it's a, re- it's a really good snowball for these young artists, I think. I'd really love to learn more. I think they would be a cool company to work for. 
They call themselves the home of UK urban entertainment. Yeah. And this was the most recent effort they supported, called London's Calling. Let's take a listen. Yo, who's that? Big boy Scraps, the one and only. Fine, where are you? Northwest. No, say nothing. You gonna hold me down? Boom. No days off, I ain't got time to relax. No sidetracks, I ain't got time for a lap. I'm in a four by four, two pipes at the back. Dipping in and out of lanes for the tiniest scamps. I've got killers in my contacts. One hand sign, that's a done deal, no contracts. I got a household name, it stay ringing bells. It isn't hard to tell that I'm doing well. A wholesale cook crack to my clothes smell. And if it all goes well by the end of the year, then I'm gone. I ain't gone into detail. Penthouses and females, whole top floors for the goons, bad bitches. Is a wee smell. I've got shooters around me with big desert eagles on base every day like it's legal. And all they need is a reason. Yo, yo, who's that? It's me. Yo, Cuzzy, where are you? I'm in a mad place right Stop now. Stop playing, Cosmo, where are you? No, you're not with us. Reporting live from the border where it's borderline Insane, I go insane, I get borderlines But I'm trying to kill it until I'm immortalized Still trying to get a mortgage, man, I'm mortified Cause no one ever told me about credit But credit to myself, go get us, go and get it Only diesel I could afford Where the denim's now I'm in my diesel feeling So that clip covered a bit of Scraps and Avellino's verses And this is just so cool i love this this seems like a song that is like perfectly made for you because it's (laughs) all about geography like like it's all about geography right like the geography of the city Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating and i didn't do my homework because i knew there would be not much to scrounge on where these guys are actually from and plus you were moving and yes and i was moving so i I couldn't have that out (laughs) for this one week um and yeah and it just blends, first of all, musically, I'm going to get into the lyrics because you're right, that is kind of like my bread and butter, but musically it blends the like OG grime kind of musical tendencies with these, you know, sirens, really choppy strings, like, ugh, it's so in your face and kind of gross sounding that I just, and I love it, but those are the characteristics kind of that you see in more old school grime and then the trap like percussion stuff doesn't quite fit with the older grime that I adore but it is what these new guys like and for the past however many weeks I can't even look back that far anymore because I feel like I'm a broken record saying this but the new guys are doing these more neutral sounds even maybe some more Americanized kind of trap beats, we would say. I would say. I'm not going to speak for Tanner. But it doesn't fit with the old. It's kind of cool. So in that sense, we have a foot in the past, a foot in the future. Really dig it. The structure of the song is also amazing. It it's really cool. So cool. So we talked about there being a ton going on in the Sia Diplo Labyrinth song and... That does get handed off back and forth, back and forth. However, this one is just so amazing. So if you look in our playlist, it has the album artwork, and it's a cell phone, and it has London time, and it has missed calls by all five artists on the cell phone. And that's exactly what the song does to hand off verses between people. So 
verse ends, let's say, and then scraps and Avellino that we just heard, we'll have a phone conversation really briefly for maybe 10 seconds and then Avellino gets his verse and then he talks to somebody else and they're mentioning places like where you at, can I pick you up and all this stuff and I just think it's brilliant. It's always moving, it's always going somewhere and you can always kind of, well at least if you've been to these places you can picture like the motorways, you can picture you know I follow all of these guys on Instagram. They're always in cars, always going and places with their friends. And it's a really fascinating way to structure a song that's kind of mirroring their everyday lived realities. I like that a lot. The title of the song, I would like to end on this, is eerily similar to a certain Clash song. I'm referencing London Calling. Anybody know? Maybe people have heard of this song. I hope so. It really got me thinking, though, that this GRM Daily supported song is such a cool concept when you're viewing it with a lens of kind of like overriding this kind of white rock musician's view of London or presentation of this is what London is. So it, it, in effect, it's changing the voice of London. If you're calling someone, you're reaching out, you're presenting yourself, you're contacting, you know, through sound. And I think it was a really good effort and it was a little bit cheeky to name it London's Calling. I don't know if those guys have heard of the song, but it's definitely one to think further about. Yeah, as someone who knows next to nothing about London culture or geography, the song and the structure and the title to me read as a really savvy smart way of being like hey we are the sound of young london we are north and south and east and west and this is us and we are london huzzah sort of like Mm -hmm. and it's hard to put into words because i find the beat kind of tedious like the beat is really cool for the first minute and then i'm kind of like okay this is kind of getting stale but the concept and the fact that the the song keeps changing hands so many times Mm -hmm. keeps me interested a lot more than i would be otherwise um and it's a cool sort of statement of purpose for like you mentioned a a group of artists who are uh very much on the come up Mm. amazing tanner let's take the people to our pick of the week yeah so i'm going to introduce our pick of the week with the the largest possible disclaimer (laughs) in the history of disclaimers and podcasts and disclaimers within podcasts it feels weird to have talked about such a uh politically serious and ambitious piece of music as this is america and then turn around and give pick of the week to what we were going to give it to. So with that massive disclaimer, we're part of the problem. Yes, yes, yes. But also, that Bad Baby song is pretty good. It's Gucci flip-flops. Let's take a listen. Gucci flip flops, make a kick 
That's right. Bad Baby featuring Lil Yachty, Gucci Flip Flops. I, so on one hand, yes, there are lots of misgivings I have about being this into a song by a young girl who's basically famous for being really rude to her mother. <laughs> like that's how she became famous. Um, and that makes me uncomfortable, but also, man, that beat is really impeccable. The juxtaposition of the very soft attack synths in the back that are slightly reminiscent of the conversation we had about Plug Walk by Rich the Kid. You have that those synths against the very uh, the snare hits that kind of sound like a rim tap on a snare a little bit. So that juxtaposition is really interesting to me. And also, I spend a lot of time thinking about what it means to make a rhythm catchy mm. or to make a beat catchy. Most of the time when people talk about catchiness, they talk about it in terms of melody, in terms of a hook, an earworm. And to me, the chorus of this song is incredibly catchy. And the closest uh, thing I can put my finger on as to why I find this chorus so catchy when it doesn't have a melody is her is Bad Baby's accents on her rapping. ba 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 even though she's not singing a song there is a lot of dynamic and pitch variation when she hits those words and i find something weirdly intoxicating about that and that's even setting aside the really stupid music video where it's like back in the 50s and she's watching herself rap and then david spade comes by later with the milk and it's creepy and gross but Caitlin, how do you feel about the song? I think relatively it is way better than her other singles. I forget. I think we talked about the these hoes we did on this. Yeah. I think? Yeah. That sounds right. And I just remember it being kind of like god-awful and very awkward to listen to. I liked it and you didn't, if okay. I recall correctly. And this, I think you're absolutely right in kind of going down that it's almost like a black hole of what makes a rhythm popular or an earworm and billboard is recognizing her for it because guess what she's up against cardi b and Nicki minaj for best female rap artist like i'm not i'm so serious i read an article by billboard (laughs) and it is cardi b Nicki minaj and Bad Baby, her real name's Danielle, I don't know how to pronounce it, Bergoglio. Bergoglio, I think so, yeah. I Yeah, I don't bet. You know how risk-averse of a person I am, but if, like, like there's no way that Cardi B is not winning that. Yeah. Not, not, not even, like, necessarily that I want her to, even though I probably do, but just, like, in terms of buzz and new artist on the scene. And like, Cardi B dropped an album. And there's definitely, like, there's no way Bad Baby wins No, exactly. That. And, like, this is her seventh single, and there has been no talk of an album being made. But this Lil Yachty feature, I think, is really good for her. I think she's going places. I'm really, really, like, I can't wait. We talked about Mason Ramsey last week and child stars. Danielle Bregoli is a child star. Her voice is adolescent, and it's really uncomfortable listening to her rap all of those obscen- like obscene words. And I will be interested to see how her voice matures and whether or not she becomes 
like a Cardi B. Who knows? And with that, I would like to thank you so much for listening to Chart Chat, your weekly stroll on the beach in socks and sandals. If you'd like to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can find YouTube and Spotify playlists in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, you can get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at chartchat and on Instagram at chartchat. And also, please rate and review us. Woohoo, please. Char Chat's intro theme was written by Peter Kelly, and our cover art made by Billy Phillips, both from Coronation Media. Coronation Media is a creative studio specializing in video production, animation, and graphic design. To learn what they can do for your company or organization, visit www.coronationmedia.com. Chart Chat is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Tanner. And we'll catch you next week. Good Gucci flip flops. He hit you to massage. This a big white. Diamonds dripping off of the clock. Two to six out. Winter time. Dropping the sock. Give it to the Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm.